I'm Stuart Vonning. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm Jason Chaffetz, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, May 4th, 2020. I'm Trey Ingst. As countries around the world weigh the pros and cons of reopening for business, labs are working around the clock on treatments and vaccines for COVID-19. The culture of laboratories is a very open sharing culture, even if you're big competitors. And that's very different to people that come from other businesses. We might be a brutal competitor with someone else that runs a different test, but we are total open in data and, and, and in information. This is the Fox News Rundown, Global Pandemic. President Trump is hopeful a vaccine for COVID-19 will be widely available by the end of the year. Others say the pandemic could affect society for the next two years. The uncertainty has many governments and leaders doing guesswork to determine the best steps for their people. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Michael Doherty, the president of LabMD, about the realities scientists are facing in the race for a cure. Starting first, though, in Europe... Over the weekend, the French health ministry announced new plans to quarantine any incoming travelers for 14 days. And while France had planned to start gradually lifting their countrywide lockdown next week, a new proposal will likely extend the health emergency until July 24th. France is reporting nearly 25,000 deaths as a result of coronavirus, and the country's interior minister is calling these new measures absolutely necessary. Now to Italy, where the country saw just 174 deaths yesterday, the lowest in seven weeks. The development comes as Italy prepares to lift some restrictions. As of today, Italians will be allowed to visit parks and relatives who live nearby. Finally, in the United States, intelligence agencies are reportedly accusing China of more specific cover-ups in the early outbreak of COVID-19. New documents show that Chinese officials hid how severe coronavirus was for weeks in an effort to stock up on personal protective gear for their people. The information obtained by the Associated Press shows that China covered up the extent of the virus when speaking to the World Health Organization. Analysts agree that early action by China would have severely curbed the spread of COVID-19, causing fewer deaths and allowing countries to reopen sooner. So now, under current conditions, what is going to be the deciding factor in how quickly the world can reopen? Well, first of all, we have to understand that we that everything we're doing is like a educated guess. And as time passes, the education gets better and the guess gets lower. This is Michael Doherty, the president of LabMD. He joins us today from Georgia. So we started with a bag over our heads because the Chinese put the bag over our heads. And so that has put everyone in a little bit of a, well, a, a lot of a paranoid panic. And it's made everyone have to learn what people in medicine always know, is that the human body is not an assembly line. And if you've seen one patient with COVID, you've basically seen one patient with COVID and everyone's different. So it's tough to um, to give people these hardcore exact answers, no matter what. Uh, that's true in any disease. But right now we've got this cultural sort of reaction that we just want to know. And there are no exact answers and there'll never be exact answers. So what are we going to do? We're going to have to test as many people as possible, educate them as much as possible. What we know will change as we get more data and learn more, uh, which would have started earlier had we not had a bag put over our heads. So laboratories are going to be key thing uh, because we're going to collect the true physical data of what is going on in people's bodies. And over time, we'll learn what that really will mean. Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at diseases around the world and diseases that spread, I mean, what's the role of information sharing? You talk about how China 
basically kept the world in the dark from the information that they had early on. If they were to provide the West with the information, let's say back in January, does that change how things pan out, in your opinion? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it's called a multiplier effect. You know, two times two is four. Okay, that's not that big of a doubling. A million times a million is a big deal. And so not telling us week one to week two is not as bad as not telling us from week four to week five. And they they allowed a multiplier effect and a spread to occur. Uh, you know, and it's it's appalling. It is if if nothing else, it's it's a it's a humanitarian violation. And transparency in science is is critical because the cells don't care who you are. <laughs> you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna yeah. obey as as the Chinese are learning right now. <laughs> so. And and I mean, so when you're looking at these concepts of of information sharing, I mean, being a lab owner yourself, and and I mean, understanding this industry, how do labs work together, and and how can can scientists and the people that are actually looking at this data and and these samples that are being collected ensure that the country and the world is prepared for what many analysts think is going to be a second wave of coronavirus? Well, that's a great question because the culture of laboratories is a very open sharing culture in Western culture, well, Western countries, uh, uh, even if you're big competitors. And that's very different to people that come from other businesses. We might be a brutal competitor with someone else that runs a different test, but we are total open in data and, and, and in information, especially if the same patient is both places. And we certainly share a lot of things with governments when they require it. And typically, that's sexually transmitted disease at this point uh, in, in the United States. Um, but the infrastructure within the government to take as much information as they're going to require right now is, is, can be quite challenging, which is a bottleneck. And, uh, but the laboratory world, it, we're, we're scientists first. Uh, we're not, uh, you know, businessmen first, but we are a business. And, and so it's, it's seeped within the culture already. And so it's fascinating because we do have our culture on stage right now, on the world stage that we've never had before. For example, this, this whole thing about, testing isn't completely um, open or it's not FDA approved. And it's demonstrating to me that the people don't understand that the FDA doesn't practice medicine, that they don't uh, tell you what you can and cannot use. What they do is they analyze the marketplace viability of something. And in an emergency situation, they will let manufacturers do their own self-validation, which is what you want to happen in a self-validating, I mean, in an emergency situation. That's what you want to, you want to have more options. And the self-validating of these tests within the United States is much more reliable than some of the antibody tests that have come from China that have a 30% failure rate. And what's getting muddled in the media is the difference between the tests and the validation tests and, and how bad it is that it's not FDA approved or not. So it's interesting because we are a culture of communication transparency, but we've never had the whole world have their glaring eyes on us all at once like this and then saying things like, well, the FDA hasn't approved it. That's terrible. Not necessarily. So, um, you know, we need yeah, to separate it, those things. You've been listening to Michael Doherty, the president of LabMD. We'll be right back. Take us inside a lab right now. Yours, for example, I mean, what are you seeing in terms of the types of samples and amounts of samples coming in? I mean, we've heard a lot about testing for 
other diseases, uh, cancer screenings, things like this are, are down as a result of the coronavirus because people are simply afraid to go to their doctor or go into the hospital for tests because they're worried about catching COVID-19. So, I mean, what are you seeing right now in terms of testing and these sorts of things inside labs? Uh, diagnostic testing is down 75%, and this is a key thing that, does, that, that people don't understand. We are really shifting the death numbers. We are not saving the death numbers uh, as far as what's going on with your one problem creating other. We've created such phobia that hospitals are just dead zones. No pun intended. I mean, there's no one's going in. So people are putting off, well, well your, your cancer cell is not going to wait. So people are putting off things. And this elective surgery is the same thing. So in the, in the laboratory world, the optional testing, which is patients getting their bodies into hospitals, they're avoiding it. They're delaying it. There's a cost to that that we have to, that I don't know how we put that into the frame of reference of how many lives we're saving at COVID now. I mean, obviously, it appears to be much more prevalent in people being infected than we thought, which means a much lower, much lower um, a number of people who are uh, actually deathly sick. That takes the, the heat off, but, but then it's also good to continue to educate that that means it's safe to go to your doctor. It's, but but we've, we've just annihilated that feeling of safety right now. So we're, you know, people that don't have COVID that have other diseases or symptoms of, of cancers are on delay. And there's a huge price for that. You can't roll time back when you have a metastatic disease. Are, are you concerned about a backlog of testing once people do sort of get back into society? I mean, is, is there a, a scenario in which these people have been putting off important diagnostic tests all try to get tested for other things at once? Well, I, I, we've got the capacity. I mean, one of the things about the laboratory, especially blood serum specimens, is that, you know, it's so automated, and technology's had such an impact the past 30 years. What I am concerned about is the staging. So, so many patients will be farther down the road. You know, you can't stop those things, and that's what has me concerned. Sure, we're going to test you and be able to test you, and I'm not concerned that we're going to have a bottleneck and not have the capacity to test. What I am concerned about is that we're going to have people farther down the road in their disease, and that's tough. That's a very tough situation. Some cancers move really, really slow. You know, prostate cancer moves really slow. But cancers like pancreatic and ovarian, these, these are silent killers. They move really fast. And uh, that, that's, that's, a t that's a tough nut. Before I let you go, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, how do you feel the technology is assisting when you're looking at the broader health spectrum for people in the United States, you talked about how a lot of the process is automated now and, and getting samples in. I mean, it's something that you can do relatively quickly in terms of, of testing for certain diseases. I mean, are we getting to a point as a society where people are going to be able to get screened more frequently in an easier fashion to ensure well, that they don't not just have coronavirus, but other, other serious diseases? Well, we got caught off guard with the swabs, and, and there's, there's really two, two verticals here. There's the active disease test, and that's a huge supply issue. Uh, and also, uh, a home delivery part of that is tough, because to do the active disease swab up the sinus type of 
of, of test is very uncomfortable, and most people won't do that to themselves the right way. And that's a very manual thing. Uh, that's difficult because, because what we've done the past 30 years is given China our manufacturing base. So it's not the technology. It's the nuts and bolts, you know, materials that's the problem. Then you have the antibody tests. And we started off in a big rush with the antibody tests, and we were getting these little cassettes from China that were junk, you know, I mean, really bad numbers. And, and, you know, you just do a finger stick and we're catching up on, on that. And that's gone, but that sort of polluted people's, the media's understanding of, of what antibody tests are, are, uh, are good and what's are not. And is the FDA approval process have anything to do with that? But as far as sure test availability and, uh, you know, as far as can we handle the capacity, we, we can and and we have it it's uh, it's fascinating stuff michael doherty the president of lab md thanks again for your time michael oh great talking to you thanks for having me you've been listening to the fox news rundown stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com and for up to the minute news go to foxnews.com From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.